the pulse of Elkhart. This is On the Beat with Carl Stutzman. And welcome back to The Heart, 1340 AM, 1019 FM, and On the Beat. I'm your host, Carl Stutzman. So starting things off today with a little bit of a change-up, because I noticed that a lot of you guys on Facebook are complaining about the fact that gas prices, well, they're not low right now. They're actually pretty high. And I'm not going to point any fingers, but a decent amount of you are claiming that you know the reason why. And I can tell you, as someone who works in a newsroom, you do not, in fact, know the reason why. But I don't like to just stand up my horse, high horse, and, and tell you what's going on. So I bring in the experts as always and uh patrick dehan he's your uh head petroleum analyst with gasbuddy.com he's been with the company for more than a decade so he knows what he's talking about and uh patrick i'm very glad to have you on the show today well thanks for having me i do appreciate it so I, I gotta say, you know, Northern Indiana, we are usually pretty fortunate. We're hanging around normally lower than average national gas prices, mm-hmm. uh, just because we're pretty close to the refineries. So when gas starts to jump up to two seventy five, two eighty, two ninety a gallon this time of year, uh, people start to ask some questions. So I guess my first question for you is, what in the heck's going on with gas prices? Yeah, first and foremost, uh, you know, a lot of the listeners are probably not the only one complaining. I don't like having to pay any more than I have to either, and it's not been fun. What What is going on here? The gist of, of prices having gone up, call it the last three and a half months. Um, I know it, uh, of course, coincides with election, and we all like to blame the election for all of our misery. Um, but a lot of it actually has to do with the sh- simply fundamentals, supply and demand, economics 101. Uh, prices have gone up. We've uh, started to see uh, a lot of solid improvement in the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, And Americans are filling their uh, gas tanks uh, at a pace not seen since the pandemic. Now, that's normally not a problem because, of course, we all know demand plummeted, oil prices went negative, all of that. But why are things going up so quickly? Well, demand has rebounded very quickly now, but supply has not. Last year, OPEC cut 10 million barrels a day of oil production. That's just from OPEC. The U.S. has seen a loss of about two and a half million barrels a day of oil production, and it hasn't come back yet. So demand is exceeding supply on a daily basis, and that is pushing prices up uh, pretty precipitously here the last few months. So uh, go back to last year when they had to, you know, start you know, lowering the amount of production that they were working with. I mean, OPEC, as you said, you know, cut ten million gallons and it's or ten million barrels. I just. Is are we at a point now where it's more difficult for them to turn it back on and go back to former production levels? Are are they ever going to get back to that point, or are they at a situation now where gas prices are at a point where they're profitable, so they're just going to kind of stick with it as is? Well, the the basis for their determination of production, we we all remember the one day last year. I think it was late April, right? Everyone heard, and their mother even heard that oil prices went to negative thirty eight dollars a barrel. It was just a sliver of the day, but it happened. And I'm going to use that to justify why oil companies haven't raised production. Because even though demand has gone up and oil prices have rallied, oil companies last year, I mean, you're talking about severing two arteries here. Um, Demand was, was, you know, below expectations. Prices were just through the floor negative territory oil companies lost their shirts last year 50 billion dollars and you know not a whole lot of people are going to feel sorry for them um but the fact of the matter is you don't make money uh you know in that in that type of of atmosphere you lose billions and so oil companies only now are starting to put their shirt back off after losing everything last year uh they're cautiously optimistic that demand will stay up 
but they shed tens of thousands of jobs. You don't just pick up the phone and say, hey, Joe, you want to come back to work 12 months after we laid you off? Joe's probably gotten another job, um, you know, and moved on. He's probably got a family to feed. So the problem here is returning that output. Now, yes, OPEC can fairly quickly within a couple of months bring output back up. But of course, OPEC's a cartel that likes to control prices. So they don't just want to raise production and have prices free fall again. They're very, very slow to respond to the market shifts. And, and OPEC is meeting later this week to discuss a possible raise in production. But that's why we are where we are. It's because supply is not responding as quickly as demand is. A lot of people, you know, talk about uh, the supply that we're creating for ourselves versus the supply that we're importing through OPEC, for example. How, what's the what's the split there? How much of our own oil are we actually making? Well, you know, right now we are producing about ten and a half million barrels of our own oil every day. That's down from thirteen million barrels, so it's taken a hit. And keep in mind, the U.S. is inherently different from from state-owned oil companies. Companies in the U.S. respond to the level of profit in oil. State-owned oil companies in Saudi Arabia, you know, they may not look so much at profit. This is their GDP. This sustains them as a country. So there's a little bit of a difference. And that's why U.S. oil producers were amongst the first to go offline is because oil prices went down too low. They couldn't even pay their workers. Whereas state-owned oil companies, um, you know, and, and Saudi Arabia especially, they have fewer wells, but they're more significant. So the cost, uh, they have the benefit of economics in that way. They can pump at a lower cost than we can. Okay, so when we hear stories, um, or, or, you know, for example, when, uh, you know, Joe Biden puts the halt on the Keystone XL pipeline, does, does stuff like that actually affect the bottom line for gas prices that people see? Oh, absolutely. Uh, but not today. And not tomorrow and not this year. We're, we're talking about pre- President Biden's impacts. Absolutely. And, and undoubtedly having an impact. But most people are blaming today on what is what the White House has changed. And that's just categoric, categorically untrue. Um, you know, we are not even at a pace where things are normal. Uh, I'd love for them to be. Existing pipelines are nowhere near capacity. There's plenty of capacity to carry crude oil. But like I said, the problem's not carrying crude oil to market. It's producing it. Um, and then, you know, of course, everyone's saying, well, President Biden is limiting future drilling on federal land. No oil company after the year they've had is looking to drill new wells right now. If anything, they're going to reactivate existing wells, but nobody's looking for a permit to drill a new well. There's no money. There's no jobs there. They're going to, you know, use that to, to open up existing wells. So neither of those impacts, uh, you know, neither of those policy decisions are impacting prices today. Down the road a couple of years, sure, when things are back to normal, when capacity needs to be boosted, then they'll become impacts, but they are not today. Gas prices, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, they tend to be more volatile based on the now events. Um, so, you know, we had the the freeze down in Texas. If there is, uh, you know, maybe rumor of some form of unrest happening in the Middle East, those are the things that are more likely to affect gas prices, correct? That's right. Yeah, we, we, it, it, it depends on the severity and the scale, uh, but we're consuming millions of barrels a day. So what affects millions of barrels a day is going to, you know, obviously have a material impact very quickly. OK, so I mean, everything that happened down in Texas is did that affect distribution and production? Or are we still seeing a little bit of that here on the back end of what, two weeks removed from that big freeze? Yeah, you know, the impacts are winding down. Uh, We've seen almost all of it now play out. There will not be, I mean, prices are going to keep changing in the days ahead. 
but it's not going to be because of the impact from Texas. That's basically priced in, so to speak. Uh, it was about a 16 cent a gallon jump in the national average. That's right on par for what I would expect. We lost 20% of the nation's refining capacity. That is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that is a significant volume. Whereas, you know, if you usually see one or two refineries go down, it doesn't have such a far reaching national impact. But 20%, you know, that that's a huge number. And that's why we did see such an impact. But now that is winding down and behind us. Okay. This is more of kind of a long-term question, but, you know, a lot of the focus and uh, the election put a lot of this into perspective. We're talking about green energy, renewable fuel sources. Does does that sort of, does that talk, does that discussion and, you know, some people pushing for it on in Washington, does that, does that uh, limit the amount of new infrastructure and new money being invested in oil long-term? Well, I think so. I think some investors probably are a little bit more wary of investing in oil right now. And keep in mind, it's becoming less socially acceptable for people to to be involved with oil. I mean, you're seeing companies that are saying, we don't want to be part of fossil fuel investments. Companies that invest other people's money are, are, are trying to get out of it because of the the social uh, appearance of, of, you know, investing in a fossil fuel company, even though millions of Americans rely on fossil fuels, it's becoming socially unacceptable. Hmm. Okay. And then uh, my last question for you here on the way out, uh, are we ever going to see $4 a gallon gas again? I mean, I never thought I'd see gas at a dollar something again. So I suppose anything mm-hmm. could happen, but is, but is there any, like, is there anything in, in the tea leaves to suggest that's going to happen? I, I think both will happen again. Both, you know, dollar a gallon gas will eventually happen and $4. It's just a matter of timing. Uh, I don't think we'll see $4 this year, but down the road, depending on our recovery, uh, we certainly could get there, and, and we could see it go the other way eventually, too. Now, it was a good time for me to go out and buy a truck that gets 15 miles per gallon, but I, I guess I'm just I'm doing my part to support the economy, I guess. That's right. Keep on, keep on with the oil demand, right? Yeah, that's all right. Hey, Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com. Uh, appreciate what you guys do, as always. Uh, love your insight. Uh, you, you know, you've been a good friend through the years and uh, catching up on these things. So good luck out there in Chicago, and I guess we'll catch up with you later. Hey, my pleasure, Carl. Thanks for having me. All right, that is uh, Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com. Uh, sectionals officially starts today. We're going to catch up with the Concord and Elkhart coaches next on The Beat on the Heart 1340 AM, 101.9 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.